on SAFM. Well, when we look at South Africa, we faced quite a number of stress tests. This is when it relates to the rule of law in the country and perhaps the conclusion of the Zondo Commission of Inquiry and the process that has unraveled before us over the last three years has been, uh, you know, quite exemplary of the many ways in which our rule of law is tested. One can also go back to the events of July last year and ask serious questions about how it is, um, you know, that we saw the level of unrest that we did and seemingly, um, you know, having infrastructure broken down, lives being taken, people's businesses being being destroyed and the authority of the day seemingly no way in sight, finding it very difficult to control what would ultimately be eight days of unrest. Well, joining us for this conversation this morning is Otilia Maunganidze, who is the head of special projects at the Institute of Security Studies. Otilia, good morning to you. Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you so much for having me. And Silo Hatang, the chief executive of the Nelson Mandela Foundation. Silo, good morning. Thank you very much. Good morning, Cathy. We were also scheduled to have Professor uh, Sandy Africa, who is Professor of Political Science at the University of Pretoria. She's unfortunately um, had to leave uh, to attend to uh, other matters. So we're not going to have her on, which is unfortunate uh, because she's also done a lot of work in the space. Otilia, let me come to you, you know, and, and I really want us to make this conversation as practical as possible. Um, The rule of law is, of course, a concept that we have seen um, debated in many different ways. In fact, uh, it's used by different factions of whether it is the governing party, it is highly politicized. But at the heart of it really is a notion that everybody is equal before the law, that there is nobody who is above the law and that there is accountability where people have broken the law and where they have departed from the constitution. Is that a a, a fair way of helping us understand the rule of law? Uh, Thanks again, Kathy. That's uh, accurate. I would add that for South Africa in particular, um, the constitution is the supreme law of the country. Mm. So that that means that any other law that may be uh, enacted for whatever reason has to actually pass constitutional muster, which means it has to align with the constitution. I stop there because sometimes it can be easy to frame the rule of law without the constitution. And uh, our history tells us precisely why we shouldn't do that. Because the law can be used as an instrument of oppression just as much. But if you have, which is what South Africa has, if you have a constitution that guides, one, that no one should be above the law, that the law should apply equally to everyone, to all who live within South Africa, uh, but equally, which you point out, that accountability is not the preserve of a few people, but is actually uh, for everyone. And that all of that has to be consistent uh, with the constitution. 
then individuals, yourself, myself, uh, people on the street, people tuning in uh, right now, will know that if their rights are violated or if a crime is committed, that they can be able to turn to the rule of law, they can be able to turn to the structures established to promote the rule of law to, to get recourse. Um, at the moment, like you point out, that's not always the case for everyone. Uh, people are questioning whether the law uh, is something that they have to take into their own hands and whether it applies to them as equally as it should apply to people in power as well. A lot of trust really rests with these institutions that uh, are mandated with this accountability, with upholding and maintaining the rule of law and are in many ways set to be part of the accountability mechanisms um, where wrong has been done. So unfortunately, what again, what has contributed to where we are today is these declining levels of trust in these institutions, and I'm talking now about institutions like the NPA, the Hawks, uh, where people are more quick to believe that they're doing their work more driven by um, the politics of the day rather than interrogating some of the facts that may be before them. You know, Kathy, this is uh, the, the that's the sad thing about uh, what we faced with as a country. Um, the uh, uh, trust, as, uh, um, uh, as as in fact during the dialogue was pointed out, that it needs to be earned. And at the moment, we see that it's waning day by day. And I want to um, maybe explain it this way: the HSRC did a study uh, recently, which found that um, trust in the police is sitting at 27%. 27% is really bad for an institution that's supposed to be the one that upholds the rule of law above all. And I think if uh, if uh, a member of the public thinks that the police cannot even uh, respond because they don't have a vehicle, um, and if they do respond, they then don't respond in a way that uh, if you are an abused woman, you believe that they should respond. And uh, and if you f- see that um, uh, the Zamazamas are doing some something wrong just right next to your neighborhood and you call them, you know that the police won't show up, um, sometimes out of fear or whatever the case may be. But I think it's legitimacy of the state that then comes to to mind when that happens. And I want to use the example of what happened when we went to Germany. Hans Heidel Foundation took us to Germany about uh, a few months ago. And when we got there, the institutions of the state um, work hard just to be trusted. The police uh, trust is is sitting at over 90%, uh, and it's the highest, and then followed by the, uh, uh, the soldiers. The military, and and you you can you you can see that each institution is trying to be competent enough so that it's trusted. In our case, you find that people then have to latch onto um, uh, non-state actors such as Operation Dudula to then see that they can there's legitimacy there. So people where there's a vacuum, people then latch onto. Uh, uh, institutions that actually they shouldn't be latching onto, but you can't blame them because you see that uh, uh, the the legitimacy of the state is also a question as we speak.
You know, it really raises the the important issue about the fact that the rule of law is not just limited to holding the public figures accountable, right? So the very easy big stories that we can look to and say, why hasn't this happened? Why hasn't that happened? But that seems to have a very tangible impact on whether or not an ordinary member of the public can be able to trust that very same institution that failed to hold public representative X accountable to be able to find justice and recourse in in their own case. Otilia, talk to me about that that connection because the two aren't separate from each other. Uh, No, they're not, uh, Kathy, but I want us to take a step back the, the thing that makes people uh, lose trust in public institutions, be they the police, be they the uh, parliament or the executive or the judiciary, is more uh, on a personal level, a direct relationship. It is when in a local community, you find it easier to report a crime to your neighbor than it is to report to the police because you see response uh, coming from those closest to you than the state. It is about a distancing between the ordinary uh, person and the state. So when, for example, you, uh, you see, which is often what is publicized, uh, high ranking, whether it's a politician, uh, whether, it's, uh, whether it's someone who holds other office in the private or public sector, when they aren't held to account, the question that comes to mind is then who can be held to account and how would that be, uh, and how would that be possible? But importantly, and I think it's, it's, it's important to reflect on the status of the rule of law and constitutionalism, not only within South Africa, but on a broader level, where, where uh, elsewhere in the world, we see the same trends. We see people feeling that the state is not the one uh, that should be by default trusted. And there was something that was said um, at uh, the keynote uh, session that the Nelson Mandela Foundation uh, hosted uh, on Wednesday this week, Kathy, which was that ultimately uh, the state has to work to be trusted. It mustn't just be presumed. And it's not just about, because let me be frank, even if you hold one high-ranking person accountable, if that's the only person that is held accountable in the eyes of the public, that's not going to restore trust. It's just going to say, maybe this person was scapegoated. Ultimately, we need to have a situation where regardless of who you are, where you are and what time it is, if you seek accountability, um, it happens. Um, Unfortunately, if we leave it only to saying high ranking people should be held to account, then everyone else uh, may, may see it as a free for all that until the high-ranking people are held to account, we don't have to be. We shouldn't be held to account. And that's unfortunately what we're seeing in communities, Uh, people essentially taking the law into their own hands Mm. because they don't see themselves as accountable either. It it says to me that there has to be a change in approach from um, these institutions because you talk about the police. Ultimately, 
It is the way in which the police do or don't do their work that erodes from that level of trust that people uh, have in them. And this idea of the state having to work to be trusted is, is, is a beautiful one, that you're not entitled to people trusting you. You're not entitled to that respect just because you represent a particular uh, institution or you represent a particular office. And, and that's not disregarding the importance of, 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 of that office and ensuring that there's dignity to that office anyway. Um, that's indeed right, Kathy. And I think the, the main point here is we often look at uh, people within the state, and, I, and I'm not limiting this only to the police. Mm. I'm, I'm including parliament, I'm including the executive, I'm including the judiciary here, uh, as if they work in service of anything else other than the population, when in fact they are public servants. So they are meant to be accountable to the people of the country. The fact that uh, we, we, we see them as distant to us, as uh, above us, is actually an incorrect way of looking at it. Because we see, for example, if uh, members of parliament are not accountable to their constituencies, so to speak, if councillors are not accountable to the people that they're meant to be serving at a ward level, at a, at a district level, we see that it is ultimately voters that make decisions as to how the government will be shaped going forward. And so we need to be mindful of that in, in, in our discussions that public servants work are meant to, let me rephrase, not work in service of the public, are meant to work in service of the public. If they do not do so, the accountability mechanisms that exist are in fact uh, public forms of engagement. And it's not just about elections, it is really about essentially people making choices about how do I secure my neighborhood? And we don't want that. We do not want a situation where the majority of people would prefer for their neighbor to meet out vigilante justice over the courts doing that, over the police investigating crime. Because what happens when that occurs is anarchy, quite frankly. Over time, the state starts to no longer matter. Mm. Over time, the people who constitutionally are meant to ensure that the constitution is adhered to, that our rights, yours and mine's fundamental rights to life, to dignity, to education, to being free of crime, free of want, there's no one then who is primarily responsible for ensuring that those rights are respected, promoted and advanced. And we can't have that. So we need to have a situation where the uh, people in civic service work or go the extra mile to return that trust. On the flip side, we need the public to also be instrumental in rebuilding that trust as mm -hmm. well. Um, 
because let's not make it as if uh, police people or parliamentarians or people in the executive are not people uh, that live within those communities. They are people just as much as we are, and we need to be able to basically ensure that accountability is the two-way street that it needs to be. Mm. Very, very important points that you've made there, Atelier. I want to come back to this issue of corruption because, you know, in this country we talk about corruption and immediately um, some of the things that come to mind, uh, Silo will think about the Zondo Commission of Inquiry and the revelations there and it's always this huge scale corruption. But the the reality is that um, it it filters down into the the everyday experience of South Africans, including people having this idea that if I go to a police station and I open a case and I am a so-called nobody and I don't have the financial muscle to get my case heard, then chances are um, it will end up nowhere. And, and corruption is really eroding the rule of law in this country. Absolutely. And in fact, um, we did a study with the uh, Old Mutual Foundation and uh, the Institute of Africology in uh, KZN, which is KZN based. And we, we hosted some dialogues with them. And the point that you're making is uh, it has, has become so fundamental in how so, um, the, our communities view uh, institutions of the state, but also how they also view themselves um, as uh, little so we 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 the, the team was uh, in in um, rural communities in KZN, and it's clear that uh, if you do not have influence with the with uh, uh, the local authority or even uh, the chieftaincy, local chieftaincy, you are nobody, and the police won't take you seriously. And, uh, and if you have a case, none of it will be taken forward. And I think until such time that we we remind ourselves that we have set such fertile ground for anything to go wrong in our nation in terms of corruption and the institutions that need to now act on uh, the Zondo uh, uh, recommendations must then do so and must be seen to be doing so, not just speedily, but they must be doing it right. In other words, if uh, Kathy is fingered for, for having done wrong, it shouldn't be that we rush to then uh, uh, catch Kathy without the basis on which uh, we can then begin to to prosecute. This was a point that was made by Advocate Duplessis, for example. He was saying, uh, uh, you, 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 what what was said in uh, in the Zondo uh, process. Sometimes there were no other witnesses. Mm. Um, it was a singular voice that uh, accused someone. That's not the basis for for someone to then be uh, prosecuted. There so must look, still be uh, evidence I'm, I'm, that must uh, be collected. I'm going to interject there. I'll give you a chance to conclude that thought. I'm just watching the time. It's after 10.30. Uh, Luanda Maume standing by with the latest news headlines. How then can we strengthen the rule of law? That's the conversation I want us to have on the other side of the headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We're looking at the rule of law in South Africa and the particular question I'm asking to you as our listeners, how do you think 
that we can strengthen the rule of law in this country and even the respect for institutions uh, based on what some of our panelists have already said uh, so far this morning. I think really contextualizing why it is that we are seeing the breakdown. I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006. On the WhatsApp line, you can send those voice notes and text messages to 614 uh, So let me give you a chance just to uh, conclude part of the work that you had been doing in KZN and what communities were saying to you in that research about why it is um, they had lost trust in some of these institutions that are crucial to upholding and maintaining the rule of law in this country. I think uh, the, the uh, as I was saying that uh, the study that we did with Old Mutual Foundation and the Institute of Africology um, then they kind of pointed to how communities feel that um, not only are we left behind and discarded by democracy, even institutions that are it, uh, supposed to be protecting me as a South Africans then stand up against me whenever I need help, and uh, and that's why you then find that. Uh, the local police lose legitimacy because of that kind of thing uh, when, when that happens. And I think we need to begin to be asking ourselves, where does accountability lie? And, and you started that uh, line of inquiry, uh, Cathy, um, about how, uh, where does accountability lie? We always expect others to do it. We don't expect ourselves to be held accountable. And some of the communities uh, were pointing itself to say, sometimes we also let these institutions down because you know that something is being run, done, done wrong by your neighbor, but because you are not sure that they will then act in good faith without then even outing you as having pointed out the, the, the wrongdoing, um, you then keep quiet. Paralysis of the state starts the moment that I can't trust that the, what I, I share with the state it will, will be respected enough um, for them to act. This, the, the last thing I thought um, would be important to even use as an example, an unfortunate one for that matter, Kathy, is the passing of the 21 children. You know, the, the, that uh, in the Eastern Cape. And it tells you that um, the, the level of lawlessness is so much that uh, it, it, it starts with the, how we do things in our homes where a little child is sent to, uh, to go buy cigarettes or to go buy alcohol. You know they shouldn't be going into that uh, kind of uh, establishment, but you send them. And you know that then there's familiarity between the child and they, they, that uh, uh, Shabin or whatever tavern that they then go to, they, they go and buy uh, this uh, alcohol from. Um, once something goes as wrong as it did now, you then begin to point the finger at the state. We then don't say, what is my culpability? I was once that child, Kathy, who was then sent by that uncle, by my mother, by so-and-so, go and buy alcohol. The fact that I didn't die like those children that, that, that did is luck. We need to ensure that systems work to protect our lives, to protect our children, but that the future is protected enough um, that institutions work as well as they should. Mm.
Otelia, I, I want to bring you in here and, and just building on that example that uh, Silo has given of uh, what happened at, at the tavern in the Eastern Cape and bring in the case of the July riots. And it's really about fundamentally knowing what's right and what's wrong in the context of the law, but still choosing to, to break the law anyway. We had so many people during uh, that period of, of the unrest that were interviewed, right, that were going into the shops taking whatever they can and when they were asked why they were there or why they were doing what they were doing they sort of looked around and said well because everybody else is doing it and that really says a lot about how we as individuals internalize our own responsibility where the rule of law is concerned um you, you actually started off your, your question at the very right point, uh, Kathy, because um, a lot of people will have you believe uh, that people do not know right from wrong. And that's not correct. So you started yours by saying that uh, people know what is right and what is wrong. But in some instances, uh, completely ignore it, disregard it, or throw it out. Um, you would be hard-pressed to find a person committing a crime, uh, which looting, for example, is, um, knowing that this is, or thinking, rather, that this is right. They, they know that it is wrong, but they know also that there's a window in which no one is really holding them to account for their actions. There is uh, unlikely that uh, everyone who, who stole or who looted and less recorded um, would, would, would likely ever be, uh, be held to account. But, and this is the important thing, and it's an important point that was even made by the Deputy National Director of Public Prosecutions um, at the Nelson Mandela Foundation, it doesn't mean that everyone has to be in orange overalls. That's not the sum total of accountability, right? Because for people, often it is, you do this, you're arrested, you are uh, uh, prosecuted, you're convicted, you go to jail. But that's not uh, the sum total of accountability. There's so many other mechanisms that we need to be using and we need to be, we need to be checking ourselves uh, as well. Uh, an example that is often used, uh, Kathy, taking it away from, from the July unrest because we, we, we mustn't uh, regard questions of accountability almost as events in our lives. So July unrest happened, we want to see accountability, accountability is not seen, uh, and then almost we, we move on, right? On a daily basis, we ask ourselves when, uh, whether you're in a, in, a, in a minibus taxi or you're the person that's driving, or even as a passenger, that what is the immediate thought when you see police on the side of the road? Oh no, they're going to stop me. What is the second thought that a lot of people tend to have? Do I, I have hundred friends? <laughs> I can get out of this. Now, the moment that thought comes to you, before even the transaction, and, and, and I need to, to, to remind listeners that in terms of our uh, laws on anti-corruption, our laws and accountability, there's no figure to it. So if you bribe a public official with one rand, 
you're as meant, you're meant to be held as accountable as someone who uses two million rand to do it, right? Because the the act itself, the act of not following process, not uh, adhering to the law, that is the fundamental uh, flaw. But and I and, and I and I go back to something that Silo uh, Hatan um, said uh, earlier around uh, vigilante groups, movements that crop up and, 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 and basically want to take their law into their own hands. What we saw exactly a year ago across parts of uh, urban South Africa is basically, again, people taking their law into their own hands, but they didn't wake up going, I'm going to go loot. There was direction. There was something that said, in this period, you can do this and you can get away with it. And that's something that we need to, to, to fix uh, within, within our society. We need to make it such that accountability uh, is 365 and a quarter days of the year. It's not only during certain periods of time. We need to make it such that the people with whom you have regular conversations with understand the rule of law and understand constitutionalism. It shouldn't be left to lawyers or police people to, to, to understand why these things matter, because if society doesn't get it, then, then we are in, big, we're in very big trouble um, and we need to be able to turn that. And I want to end on this point by saying something that we almost ought to give ourselves a pat on the back for. The July unrest could have been repeated. There were calls for similar shutdowns. And it was communities that said, actually, you know what? <laughs> we're tired, <laughs> right? We can't keep doing this because we've seen what happens after that. When you loot shops, it's not big people with lots of money that no longer have bread. It's people in communities that no longer have bread. It's your neighbors that no longer have food. So we need to be able to see what role we can play within that to right the system, to right society. All right. I've got so many calls on the subject. I'm hoping that we'll be able to get through all of them. Of course, you're listening there to the voice of Otilia. She's with the Institute for Security Studies. Selo Hatang is with the Nelson Mandela Foundation. Ndadebutana, good morning. I I I I hope that uh, you you have had some 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 rooibos tea this morning. In fact, let me do this. I'm going to give you a second to catch your breath while I go to break. When we come back, you'll be our first caller. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays 9 a.m. till midday. All right, stay straight to the phone lines. Ndadebutana, good morning. Kathy, good morning to your guest. Yes. The, the fish rot from the head. The rioting was coordinated by senior uh, leaders of the ANC, plus the senior intelligence officers of the ANC. Okay? We cannot run, run away from that. And what pains me is that they cannot even enforce even a single law because... They are involved in criminality. 
ANC is responsible for the breakdown of the law of this country. They have destroyed NPA. NPA can't, can't even arrest or prosecute anybody. NPA, let alone the hawks. It, it is worse now. They have, they have destroyed even the intelligence. The crookedness that is happening in intelligence. 600 million rand. Fraser is accused of stealing it. It's protected by senior people of the ANC. And it didn't end there. Mm. Uh, Fumadi tells them that, look, these people are a problem. Even uh, Masabo. What do they do? They sit in, 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 the, in the report. They didn't act on the report. Mm. What do you expect? We've got a criminal state. So, so how then do we strengthen it in Dadebudana? Does it go back to the yeah. basics, such as implementing some of the recommendations of you, of these reports? You, you get independent prosecutors. You get independent uh, uh, investigators. We did have them with 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 with, with, with uh, Zondo and prosecute these people that are thieving. That's how you get rid of this thing. All right. You, the, Endless talk will never get us anywhere. I mean, Escom, people are doing as they please there. Escom is, don't even get value from those. The same workers have one, one money from us. It has been destroyed by NZ. All right. Ndate Butana out in Rosebank. I'm going to leave it there with you for this morning. Mike in Newlands, good morning. Yeah, hi, good morning, Cathy. Good morning to your panel. Um, yeah, I just want to pose the question, uh, and this is not even a hypothetical one, <laughs> it's a true one. If our president was caught with $4 million stuffed in his chair on, on his luxury farm, um, who's going to arrest him? Because we do not have an independent police force. We do not have an independent SIU. We do not have an independent Hawks. But Michael, so, all of these yes. institutions say they are independent. So, what are you telling me as a citizen, so, or as a citizen of this country? Are you saying that you don't perceive them to be independent? Uh, it's not a question of perception. Mm. They are not independent. The SIU reports the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice has an elect, a minister elected by the president. So, his job is to look after his job and look after the prison, mm-hmm. not to look after anybody who's breaking the law. Then we go to the um, Hawks. The Hawks report to the police, who reports to the minister of police, who reports to the prison. So the debate, <laughs> if, if, I mean, I want to ask your panelists this. Do they believe that our police force is independent? Because if their answer is no, then unfortunately we've lost the battle already. Because if you, and in remember South Africa, we have a beautiful example of how it used to be. We had the Scorpions. And the Scorpions were independent. And, and if you remember, they caused havoc within the ANC when they originally started stealing. And that is when the ANC said, right, no more Scorpions. We are now going to control the process, which, of course, is what they did. We now have the Hawks, which are, of course, completely useless. And they are just a, a body that reports to the police. And they, everybody protects themselves. So, no, there's no perception in it, Cathy. And until we accept that fact, any other debate we have is, is depending on the person who's the policeman to be an honest guy. Right. And if he's reporting to a corrupt crook, then how possibly is he going to carry out the law? And for the 20 children that died in that, in that uh, tavern, it's not so much the parents. It's the fact that the tavern owner knows 
that the law is so useless that they're not going to ever arrest him. Mm. He can serve alcohol to anybody he likes because the police are so weak and so corrupt. And why is that? Because they don't care either. They report to their boss who reports to his boss. They don't report to us, the people. So yes, the parents are to blame, but not, not all the blame lies there. A lot of it lies with the fact that we have a police force that we have no control over. Thanks, Mike, thanks, let's leave it there. I've got lots of callers trying to get through as many as possible. Peter Wiley in Makanda, good morning. Kathy, thank you, and thank you to your producer for taking my call. Mm. I tried to get on earlier this morning uh, with Stephen Furtis, and I wanted to criticise him because last year, when I said that they should praise the police officer or officers who shot the tyres, of those well-heeled looters, and that would have had the loot in... Uh, can you still hear me? Yes, we're listening, Peter. Yeah, yes, uh, the, they would have had the loot, the evidence, and everything, and they would have arrested them. And uh, Stick, he said, no, they couldn't do that. They might shoot somebody. Well, if a police officer can't shoot a tire without shooting somebody, he should be kicked out of the police force. Secondly, I didn't like the way he reacted to the residents of Phoenix They took the law into their own hands. I can assure the listeners that the looters would not go back to that area as easily as they would before if those people did not take the law into their own hands because they could not depend on the police. Now, you are the right person, you and and Oliver, because I can tell that you you adopt very much the Mandela standard, and that is you're prepared to put your job on the line for the good of the country. Now, what we really need to do is look at the whole of July for voter education, because we need to have voter education uh, on a big scale, because for people to support a a known criminal and and try and... uh, It was insurrection in in July last year. It was an attack on our democracy. It was a very, very ugly thing. It destroyed investor confidence just as much as this Eskom problem is is destroying investor confidence. We're going to be a totally failed state. So, Cathy, you and your producer, keep it up. We, we need to look at the punishment of, of uh, criminals. The media needs to show them suffering. Right. The, the pun, pun, no, no, hang on a moment. Mm-hmm. The punishment should be a deterrent. In my particular case, my, my father was shot. I was shot at right here where I'm sitting. And never has the photograph of that murderer appeared in the, in the press. The media has a big role to play. Mm-hmm. And you are... All right. Peter, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. But I think, you know, your point has been has been well made. Bongani in KZN, good morning. Yes, yes, yes. good morning, Kitty. Uh, I'll try to be quick. Uh, maybe uh, I'm very much worried, man, because we only have got the crisis recession. Uh, USSM and uh, maybe I'm sure the recession, we did it actually an excellent job, but informing us only. But when will be the solution questions? Because it looks like we are going to talk about this continuously without actually having any solution to it. Because directly or indirectly, I found out that we have contributed whatever is going on in South Africa. Like especially when we define the function of a law, what is the function of a law in South Africa? Is it to evade or to delay or to make me escape justice being done? Or is it whatever? But this will be just a rhetorical equation because that will actually put uh, some cases to be in the form of which it is actually now in. And at the end of the day, we want to actually get a solution at the end. But the, another thing to actually consider is 
is that we are the one who are supposed to have this sort of a template. When we're talking about justice, when we're talking about South Africa, which means the blame should be on all South Africans, that is not as well like set up as to what is it that they require? Because I'm actually like finding out even the way how these uh, people were, they were presenting. You see, it has got no element of being South African research. You see, those guidelines that is actually indicating that you don't exactly what is taking place in the grassroots level, because even the lens is one of the persons talking about the crime is this, it should be uh, only punitive measures which should be so like the You see, South Africa was not being corrected before or after the democracy. And then thereafter, that capital government uh, efforts which were needed for the South Africans to be strong. Then it now is all like shows. And the, with this uh, crime rate, it means we've got to change even the stance at which crime is now being fought. Because under Compelling reason, just like myself under this position, I'm having a situation where I have to open now an operation to do that. All those operations to do that, all this governmental shouting, mm. it does indicate that these people have got no uh, vision and no vision at all. For the sake of other listeners, I'll just start it so. But I was actually like, I want to mention one thing, which I also ask you one day about the jurisdiction. You see, when the incident was happening here, you put a report to a police station where you should have like a report. It was uh, at an instance whereby there had been more than 10 points which means the whole uh, police station is uh, in, 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 in that way. Right. How are you going to have the effective and efficient justice in that way? It, Can it you really tell is, yeah, it, it really is a, a, an issue of, of capacity, right, and how you capacitate uh, different areas to be able to also respond to acts of, of criminality. Let me stay in KZN. Sabata, good morning. Yes, kids, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I uh, just got put off by your previous caller and I was giving praise to the Phoenix community. Uh, but uh, what happened, because they ended up uh, just recognizing any black people that were coming, that they were seeing in the area. Uh, I'm not impressed by that. But uh, let me get to my point. You see, the first point is that our our democracy here in South Africa is actually a farce. If we have a real democracy here, I think we'll be having a, 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 a death penalty because, after all, that's what the majority, I'm sure, wants now. And the, the constitution is not sacrosanct. It, it needs to be reviewed because we are where we are because of the constitution, which is too lenient uh, towards criminality. The only people who tell you that we have the best commune uh, constitution, uh, it, it, it's progressive, is the only people who are benefiting out of it because it allows them to take advantage of us as a country. I'm talking about criminals and the uh, immigrants. Those are the only people who can say we have the best constitution. As do, for do, the, uh, Sabata, do you think the problem is the constitution or the problem is that yes, the, 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 the law in this country, the rule of law, has not been upheld to the extent that it should? Kathy, you must remember that the, 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 the criminal justice system, the law, mm. is based on the same constitution. Yes, but, so but it, the it constitution goes, it doesn't goes implement hand. itself, Sabata. It's implemented by individuals, <laughs> by state yes. agencies. Okay. Let me put it like this. The right to life, uh, which guarantees that? Is it the constitution or the law? I'm, I'm talking about something like that. I hope you get my point. And I'm not trying to argue here. And then the, 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 our justice system now is, now, is, is, is more worried about the, 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 the criminals than the victims. Okay. Uh, just recently, this guy who was killed, the young man who was killed in the park, I think it's a 10 minus uh, the, 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 the people got 10 years. And... Uh, and the others got a fine out of that. And you must remember, the South African 10-year sentence is not an actual 10-year sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they serve half of that, and then they are out. Yes. Even the, the maximum 
sentence that the, the, the justice system can, can dish out, which is the, the life sentence. It's actually a life sentence on paper. It's just a glorified 25-year sentence. So everyone is having uh, uh, fun in South Africa. It's criminal, and the politicians don't care because they are not affected. All right. The penalty must come back to the question of people, not because it is a deterrent, because it's a suitable punishment. That's all I'm saying. All right. Thanks for that contribution. I'm just looking at the time here. Uh, Bongani Kumalo, good morning to you. Uh, Good morning to Sketi and your uh, panel. Yes. I'm just going to be short. I think in terms of uh, uh, restoring trust in our law institution, uh, I, I think the first persons uh, that needs to, to do that are the lawmakers themselves, and that's parliament. Because seated up there, Siskethi, are those, are the people who, are, who have broken the law in front of us many times. Those are the people who have broken the law, and they are our lawmakers. They are the ones who have broken the law. So, see today are those lawmakers. So, the first thing that needs to be done is to deal with these kind of what we call the cadre deployment, because that's where the problem is. The people who are lawmakers are lawbreakers. They've done that with uh, Jake, with with our. Former President Jacob Zuma, they are doing that. We are pre- with their uh, present president and with every uh, with every politician as well. Mm-hmm. I believe that's what needs to be done. All the right. lawmakers mm-hmm. are the ones who are breaking the law. All right, Bongani, thank, thank you. Th- thank you for that contribution. He's out uh, in Durban near the south coast. So what I'll do is that we'll take the eleven o'clock news and then I'll give Otilia and Silo an opportunity just to uh, respond to those uh, co- comments and that we had from our callers after the eleven o'clock news. I'm out. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. It's five after 11 o'clock, final hour of the show. I wanted to uh, just take a couple of minutes for us uh, to round off the conversation we've had in the previous hour looking at the rule of law and really how we begin to strengthen the rule of law. I think many of our callers not really uh, giving lots of solutions. I think everybody really frustrated and expressing uh, different frustrations when it comes to their own experiences with uh, you know some of the institutions that are supposed to be safe safeguarding and implementing and maintaining this this rule of law. And I think also just what people see publicly, Otilia Maunganidze is a, the head of special projects at the ISS. Otilia, let me give you a chance to respond to uh, what our callers had to say. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Kathy. Uh, first, which is an important, uh, I think, message to, to put across is um where there is a breakdown in the trust uh, in the system, the solution is not to take the law into your own hands. One of the callers uh, lauded um, the, the people within Phoenix, but 36 people were killed in Phoenix. And that, that is not uh, acceptable. At the same time, there's a recognition that the state is struggling to ensure that independent institutions remain uh, independent. And that's on us to hold them to account and to ensure that they are. Uh, One of the callers said, for example, that the Scorpions uh, were independent because they were not in any way linked to the state, which is incorrect. Uh, 
because the Department for Special Operations, which we popularly called the, the Scorpions, was a specialized unit within the National Prosecuting Authority reporting to the Ministry of Justice. And I'm saying this because it's important to recognize why state structures matter. And it's important to recognize when they work and to, and to pick up when they don't work and to see what we can do to fix them. The solution cannot be that we throw away the state in its entirety, that we throw away the constitution and the inherent right to life, for example, for the sake of expediency, because we've seen what happens when uh, spaces do not have a functioning state, when they don't have those things, like I say, and I'll repeat this point, anarchy reigns. So this is perhaps to a lot of the callers, but also to the listeners to say, it's not to say that the state must go away. It's to say we need to be able to hold the state accountable and we need to be shaping a, a better state uh, uh, for South Africa rather than one that isn't. Uh, again, thank you very much to you, Kathy, and to the SFA, a, SAFM team for giving us the opportunity to have this discussion. Mm. Look, look, it is a very important conversation to have. And and, and Peter Wiley um, made the point about needing to have more voter education to actually help us understand uh, better how government works. Because again, it's all about perceptions, right? So people think the Scorpions worked much better, were independent, whereas they'll have a different view on the Hawks, which really ultimately may have the same or similar reporting lines. And, and I'm glad that you, you actually uh, picked up on that. Uh, Silo? I, I want to first uh, thank you again for this, but also align myself with um, what Rutilia said, because uh, she, she said a mouthful that um, uh, in terms of also responding to uh, perceptions and uh, misconceptions and just wrong info as well. I think I, I want to close off with um, uh, ensuring that we go back to the uh, question you asked about July unrest and to say that the fertile ground uh, for another kind of uh, uh, uprising like that in South Africa is uh, still very much there because we have not addressed any of the things that made it possible for people to go out and take the law into their own hands and be influenced to do what they did. In some instances, these things are caused by alienation by institutions. And I want to give you an example, Kathy, with um, what happened in Soweto. So we were in Soweto a few uh, last year doing distribution of food with each one, feed one. And, uh, and while we were doing so, the head of the center we were working with was called out and uh, to, because her sister was not well. Um, her sister passed on uh, in a private hospital in Soweto. And I, and I remember uh, thinking that uh, the, 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 the family had to pay cash to the value of uh, whatever the amount was. And uh, if you didn't have that cash, it means that the private hospital can look after you. Can you imagine if you are a neighbor of such an institution and uh, you don't have that kind of cash nor medical aid? It means this institution is alien to you. It's alienating you. I don't belong. It doesn't belong to me. And I think if we look at KZN, it was precisely that kind of alienation. To hear young people saying, for the first time I had a choice, I could choose what I wanted. Um, despite having this small all the years that I've had it, it doesn't justify the action. It just says that we need to also be making sure that uh, institutions are not alienating people. Final point is uh, about uh, ensuring that people understand that we are the constitution. 
you 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 kept on uh, trying to make the point about the the death penalty. You can't blame the constitution for those decisions, but you can certainly blame us uh, for decisions that we have made uh, when we at uh, the turn of democracy and we made some choices. Some of those informed by our history. So let's not be ahistorical when dealing with some of these difficult questions. And I think it's important that we then also put our eyes at uh, December and look out for the conference resolutions that made it possible for the Scorpions to be squashed, for example. We must make sure that uh, those conference resolutions don't uh, set us back um, in terms of uh, uh, us uh, reversing the gains that we've had on the rule of law. I can't thank you enough for having made this uh, uh, possible, Kathy. All right, thanks for that. Uh, he is the CEO of the Nelson Mandela Foundation. And you also heard from Otilia Manganize, who is with the Institute of Security Studies. A really important conversation. Thank you all for having been part of it and, of course, uh, the producers for putting it together.